Amin Rain here from Sage Investors, and I'm here to do a quick mind map analysis of asset allocation growth ETFs. Uh, you can now, it's possible now for you to have a fully diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds by holding a single ETF product. And what these ETF products do is within it, instead of only individual stocks and bonds, they actually own uh, ETFs that represent different asset classes. And they are structured in a way that um, allows you to have uh, specific weightings. And the way that the ETFs are sold, it are sold based on their weightings in terms of stocks and bonds. So if you wanted to have a portfolio that's heavily into stocks, you can buy a ETF product that will uh, have more, that will invest more in a group of equity uh, oriented ETFs. So which is great and uh, because right now for me personally, I'm looking to kind of build a little bit more exposure in my portfolio. I think my portfolios have too much cash in them and I want to kind of build some exposure into my portfolio into equities and bonds without having to go out and figure out uh, what specific stocks or which specific bonds I should be buying. I'd rather just uh, own it through a, through a low cost um, portfolio that just broadly invests in, 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 the, in the markets. So you can do that through these asset allocation um, ETFs. And so what I'm looking at uh, specifically in my case, because I want to have a really high exposure to stocks, more stock, more to stocks than bonds, that I decided to look for an asset allocation growth ETF. And often these growth ETFs that are out there uh, invest in a ratio of 80% equities and 20% bonds. So I was looking around to see what uh, products were out in the marketplace, and I came up with uh, a few. And so basically I want to go through them today and kind of figure out um, which of these three would be an appropriate uh, ETF that I could use in my portfolio to give me a much more broader exposure to the market, to the, both the stock market as well as having a little bit of exposure to the income side of it too. So the two stop, the three stop ETFs that I found were uh, Vanguard has a product. They were the first to come out with these type of uh, asset allocation ETFs. So they have one that's a growth-oriented uh, allocation ETF, ticker symbol v v VGRO. iShares has a product also, similar product. And uh, up here in Canada, uh, Bank of Montreal or BMO uh, has a similar asset allocation product. So essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to evaluate these three ETFs and, uh, and evaluate them according to a bunch of different criteria and see if we can figure out which of them or if any of them would make to be a reasonable, uh, would be a reasonable uh, an ETF to include in my portfolio to give me that broad-based exposure. So let's just uh, pick it off. So let's take a look at... Uh, now, when I'm looking at these particular uh, ETFs, I'm evaluating by these base various criteria. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go across the board here and, and uh, compare, the, uh, compare the three ETFs uh, based on these various criteria. So in terms, of, uh, in terms of how these funds are managed or how these ETFs are managed, uh, first question I usually ask is, are, are these an actively managed uh, ETF in that there's a lot of people you know, buying and selling stocks and rotating stocks and individual stocks out of it? Or is it a very passive-oriented uh, uh, portfolio in that it is just passively uh, trying to simulate exposure to broad market indexes? So for all three of them, uh, they are all managed uh, very passively. So I'm going to put a P, 
beside all of them. So they're very pa they're passively managed portfolios, and that feeds also pretty much into their cost because if they're passively managed portfolios, tend to carry a lower cost. So when I looked at the Vanguard, the Vanguard uh, MER management expense ratio comes in at zero point two two percent. The uh, iShares uh, ETF comes in in a range of at 0.18, but when you factor in taxes and stuff like that, it comes uh, it, it ends up coming in around 0.2%, 0.20% or 20 basis points. And finally the BMO product comes in also at a with a cost or an MER of 0.20. Next, um, we look at liquidity. We look at, you know, how much what's the volume of trading that takes place in these uh, ETFs? Ultimately, we want to find uh, invest in ETFs that are fairly liquid, have a lot of active trading going on, and a lot of shares that are being uh, traded. Because more shares that get traded means uh, better price discovery. It means when you decide to either buy or sell the ETF, you're going to get a pretty reasonable and fair price. You're not going to be subject to a lot of volatility in the pricing uh, of the product. So when I looked at the Vanguard, the Vanguard trades uh, approximately. 83,000 shares a day. Meanwhile, the uh, iShares uh, XR, XGRO trades at about 42,000 shares a day. And then the BMO product trades in about 4,900 shares per day. Uh, in terms of uh, the indexing, um, what are they tracking? What are they, you know, benchmarking themselves towards? As I said, these are our passively managed portfolios. These are passively managed portfolios. So in, a, in essence, they're basically bo uh, both, uh, they're all, they're all essentially uh, managing themselves or benchmarking themselves to the broad market uh, indexes out there, all the way across. Uh, another area we wanna take a look at when we're looking at ETFs is the tracking area, is the returns that the ETF generating consistent or close to the returns of the underlying benchmarks that they're trying to attract. Um, basically, we're looking for funds. Uh, we don't want to invest in an ETF that's leaving money on the table. That's being that's essentially an inefficient ETF. When I looked at it, the the funds don't essentially have a track. I couldn't find any really tracking error information for the for the specific these specific ETFs. But as I said, these ETFs are essentially an ETF containing other ETFs, and uh, they have much more detailed tracking error information. And really what I came across was that, across the board again, um, they all pretty, pretty much have low tracking errors. They're pretty, they're, they're, the returns that they generate are very consistent and close, or pretty close, to the returns that the index that they're trying to uh, replicate. Uh, now, finally, the area that I wanted to really take a look at, because this is part of really, I think it's kind of the important part of it, is what is the portfolio makeup? How are these um, ETFs structured? Like, how is that composition? We know that they are all following an 80-20 uh, stocks to bonds ratio, but how? what does that look like when you really kind of open the, you know, open up the hood and take a look at the, you know, the details of it? So, for the Vanguard, um, VGRO, essentially their makeup is they have in terms of equities. I'm going to put oh, we'll take a look at the equities first. Uh, they basically have about 30% are going into the Canadian and 70% uh, 
uh, go, are global focused. So of that 80 percent that is allocated to equities, 30 percent of that goes to Canadian and 70 percent goes to global. If you're to break down the global exposure, you will find I found out that about 53.7 percent goes to the U.S. is invested in U.S. equities. About 35.7 is invested in developing global companies not including the US and about 10% in the emerging markets. Um, <clears throat> when we started looking at bonds, I found that the Vanguard tends to hold more, uh, has more global exposure. Their, their bond ETF that they have tends to, uh, has uh, a much more global uh, diversification. And also I found out that the, uh, you know, for the, my Canadian friends out there, uh, that they are hedged. They're connected uh, to the Canadian dollar. Which means if there's any fluctuations on the currency, in currencies out there, it's, kind of hedged out there. So those those currency risk that is could be prevalent um, is hedged out. And so there's minimal impact on the overall returns of the portfolio through the currency hedging. It's quite common for bond ETFs to be, especially the ones up here in Canada, especially the ones with global exposure, uh, to be currency hedged. It's not a it's not an outlier. It's almost uh, seems like it's basically a standard uh, operating procedure. Um, for for the for the bond components, so that's the Vanguard um, breakdown of their uh, of their portfolio. Now let's take a look at the iShares portfolio. When we're looking at their equity component, they come out at about twenty percent Canadian. Oops, sorry about that. Thirty six percent U.S. Uh, about 20% international and about 4% uh, emerging market. Now the bond side of it, they own their their 20% component in their portfolio is about 16% Canadian and about 4% U.S. And again, it's currency hedged. So that's the iShares product. And now let's take a look at the BMO product. Their equity breakdown is about 20% uh, Canadian, 32% uh, US, 20% international, and about 7% emerging market. And then finally, with their bonds, it's about an 18, 18% Canadian, 2% US. And again, um, currency hedged. So that's pretty. So there you go. So that's the breakdown. And I just, I just also wanted to have a, uh, explain a little bit of a differentiation here too. With the Vanguard numbers, I gave you these 30% Canadian, 70% global, um, and really I broke down the global to about uh, showing what the 70% global exposure uh, may, it consists of. It's about half of it is U.S. 
and about 35% is developing and 10%. So if you're wondering, like, how come this doesn't add up to 80-20, it's breaking stuff down even further to give you a little bit more micro um, detail of the breakdown of that. Um, with the iShares and the uh, BMO, I couldn't find this same kind of breakdown. Vanguard had a little bit more detailed breakdown. Here, if you just look at it, it just basically all the exposure adds up to 80% and vice versa, their bond exposure adds up to 20%. So just give me a little, just give you a, show you a little bit of a differentiation and sort of how come the numbers may not jive with the total ratios for the portfolios. So there's a little bit of difference. It's basically what I could get out of uh, from um, all three prospectuses. So that's kind of the tail of the tape of these three uh, ETFs. The question now is which ones stand out and look kind of interesting. So if I would start looking at kind of breaking the stuff down, uh, the fact that all three are passive, that's a good thing. We want, you know, ultimately, I think we want as investors, I want to have as much broad-based exposure uh, to as much of the market, you know, to the market as possible. That's the beauty, really, of the whole ETF model is having that broad-based exposure and having that broad-based exposure at a lower price. So when you look at these costs, you know, 0.22, 0.2 and 0.2, they're pretty much in line. They're pretty much similar in costs. They're extremely cheap for these type of portfolios. And I think that's why a big reason why these portfolios, uh, these type of ETFs have gained so much popularity in such a short time is because you get that instant broad market exposure, global diversified portfolio exposure at a very low price point. And that's kind of appealing to people. Um, when we're looking at liquidity, the frequency of trade, the volume of trades and transactions that occur with the ETFs, um, the Vanguard and the uh, the iShares definitely trade much, much more than the BMO. The BMO might be in early days because it's a very new product. It's very new in the marketplace, so it maybe just hasn't got the traction yet. But right now, if you're just looking at them, I would probably... Uh, be more inclined to look at the Vanguard and the iShares purely because of the the uh, the, the 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 liquidity uh, that that occurs with that. All four, all three have broad, you know, they have broad market exposure to the to the markets. They have very low tracking areas, so that's obviously another point. So that, you know, so far, you know, if I were to look at it, so far the Vanguard and the iShares seem to be standing out a little bit more than than the BMO. So let's just keep going. Let's just see what we can, what further we can, we can conclude out of out of some of these numbers. Um, so if we looked at the Vanguard uh, and the, the, let's look at in terms of the equity comp uh, exposure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, the Vanguard definitely seems to have more uh, more Canadian exposure, um, and it definitely seems to have much more um, U.S. exposure too, also to the market. So if you're buying it, you're getting a, very, a much more. It seems like you're getting a much more North American focus uh, in terms of uh, in terms of your portfolio with the Vanguard. The Canadian, um, I mean the iShares one has also the same level of exposure, but it seems to be, uh, actually, excuse me, I have it the other way around. It seems like the Vanguard has a much more international, uh, has a much more international exposure compared to the iShares um, from that perspective. So if you're looking for a really, really more diversified uh, global uh, equity exposure, you maybe may wanna skew maybe towards the Vanguard product versus the iShare. If you wanna have more of your money, 
exposed to the North American markets, then you know your iShares would probably be a better bet from that perspective. But again, that's your preference as, as an individual investor. That's your preference. Um, North American. Uh, when we're taking a look at the bonds, a bit of a differentiation here in the bonds in the sense that the Vanguard has more, uh, there's more global bonds here. It has a more global exposure compared to the, uh, the iShares. It has a more, it's really a more Canadian, North American exposure on that side. So again, if your preference is to have a portfolio that's more globally diverse, it appears um, the Vanguard tends to, I think, would give you a more diverse global exposure if that's what you're looking for. If you're wanting to have a little bit more of a North American centric kind of exposure, then uh, then maybe you're gonna probably have, you know, the, the iShares product is probably gonna be leaning, you're gonna to lean towards that um, to give you that more uh, skewed uh, exposure to the North American market. So that to me, it really uh, seems to be different. The BMO one um, kind of is almost similar to, the BMO one is almost similar to, I would say closer to the, uh, to the iShares uh, uh, ETF. I think the big difference for me really is is just the liquidity factor. It just doesn't trade as much. So I would probably be more hesitant at this point to not go with the BMO product. Um, I would probably, my decision point would really be coming down to whether I want to have more global exposure in my portfolio or if I want to have more North American, more US oriented exposure into my, uh, into my portfolio here. So that's really your trade-off uh, when you're looking at uh, the, these companies, uh, when you're looking at these ETFs. So it's either your Vanguards or it's your iShares that look like the ones that I think will give you, the, that seem to be giving the most uh, broadest base exposure at the most lowest price and giving you a bit of a liquidity in that sense. So that's what I got. That's been my analysis of uh, a few asset allocation growth ETFs. If you're interested in more videos where I do these different mind map analysis, you can check them out on my website, sageinvestors.ca. And uh, that's about it. So thanks very much for listening in. This video also will be available in podcast format, which you can download uh, through Apple Podcasts and also through my website, sageinvestors.ca. So thanks so much for listening in, watching in. This is my name is Amin Reina again of Sage Investors and we'll catch you again another time. Bye bye.